Athletes are definitely as human as it gets with just as many flaws and just as many issues as everybody else in the world. We're complex beings. We have tons of different variables. But if you can start to correlate and pick out those little different variables in the aspects of your life that you care most about, that's when you can see improvement. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? Just growth. You're listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast, and I'm your host, Sean McCormick. It's the OPP. I'm a performance coach, a wellness entrepreneur, a blogger, a speaker, a biohacker, and it's my privilege to bring to you the leading experts in the field of performance. So let's dig right in. You're listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast. The OPP is brought to you by Natural Stacks, makers of 100% natural and open source supplements designed to help you live optimal. For more information on how to build optimal mental and physical performance into your life, go to naturalstacks.com. And I'm going to read a couple of reviews because I think it's cool to share. If you love this episode, if you like this content, which I really hope that you do, I want you to share it with people. Here's a couple of reviews just recently. This one's from Jay Barshop. Sean and his guests provide some incredibly compelling content that's geared to help you take actionable steps to live a healthier, more well-rounded life. Highly recommend listening and subscribing to The Optimal Performance if you want the knowledge and mindsets to improve your body, mind, and spirit and live your best life as a result. Dang, Jay Barshop. Thank you, man. And then also... Uh, Manda.LA, love the discussion of how plant medicines from across the world are really infiltrating the Western medicine scene, especially from someone who has been seen and experienced both sides of the spectrum. Love it. Heart emoji, hands together emoji. Love those emojis. Thank you guys, as always, for submitting these reviews and sharing this with your friends, because this is the whole point, is to provide you guys with awesome content that helps you live optimal. Today's episode is a wide-ranging conversation between myself and Steven Hauschka. And Steve Hauschka, I met when he was in Seattle, uh, playing for the Seattle Seahawks, floating at my float center at Float Seattle. And uh, now he kicks for the Buffalo Bills. And he's got an interesting take on things. He's a very thoughtful guy. He's super interesting. He's also a biohacker. He is always looking for techniques and tips to be his absolute best. And we range from conversations about meditation to the trend of athletes being able to speak their mind more. He talks about some of his favorite techniques for performance, including what's called foundation training and Pilates. He talks about tribalism. Uh, we talk about his life after football. And then we talk a little bit about some, some societal stuff. So I really think that you're going to love this episode. And as always, we're going to dive right into the conversation. I actually uh, listen to Joe Rogan's podcast a lot. Um, and when I hear all the guests on there, I'm like, that'd be awesome to be on a podcast. And so I'm excited to be on here. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I was like, I'm kind of a private guy with some some parts of my life. Right. So I'm like, gosh, how, you know, what do I, what do I share? What do I not share? Um, you know, that's a, it's a tricky thing. Cause you're kind of, you're kind of exposed when you're, when you get talking for an hour. For sure. 
it's not just a three minute interview like I'm used to in, in sports. That is that is the that is the the whole the whole gig with podcasts that make them so interesting is that it's just an actual conversation, you know? You yeah, know? it's it's awesome, but I mean, and then you are. I guess that's the beauty of it too. You really get to know the person and get to see everything. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've been listening to, I've been listening to the Joe Rogan podcast for, I mean, he's got a thousand episodes. I know it's crazy. Yeah. Bananas. Uh, he does it. But he does like two or three a week. Usually it's three a week. And, and I, I've been listening, like I built, I was listening to that when I was building the, like painting the walls and float Seattle and, and like, installing the float tanks. I was listening to that. And, and when you, <laughs> when you listen to that many hours of the same person, you get to know them and a really like, you feel yeah. like you really know who Joe Rogan is. Yeah, definitely. But he also is good at like privacy where he wants to, like if he doesn't want to talk about something like it's like, especially his family, he keeps that pretty quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, but the beauty of those podcasts is like, he's interesting. He's a, he's a fascinating person and everybody that he brings in is also really interesting and has a ton to say and, totally. and to just listen for, I mean, two hours straight, just a couple of dudes talking about cool stuff. It's, I don't know how he does it. Which are, what's your favorite after episodes or some of your favorite guests that they yeah, had on? I really liked, um, I, oh, oh dude, there's so many. So I really like Graham Hancock. Okay. You know Graham Hancock? Uh, I'm gonna, yeah. He I, read, someone else told me about that. I'm actually going to grab a pen and paper and write some of these down. Yeah. <laughs> he wrote uh, – he's been on there I think two or three times. Uh, Graham Hancock wrote um, – uh, oh my goodness. I'm totally blanking. Uh, Char- not Chariots of the Gods. Uh, that's Von Danigan. This is uh, Magicians. Oh my god. It's right here. That's <laughs> silly. Anyway, uh, ancient civilizations. Um, um, it'll come to me in a second. Uh, ancient civilizations. That's why I have stuff. my laptop, so you can pull it up. I know. Click on that. Find that right here. See, that's the other thing I was worried about: is sounding like an idiot because I didn't. No, not, I'm not calling you an idiot. <laughs> but how many people? How many people remember everything? Oh, like yeah. Joe does. There, it's crazy. Right. He's, he's able to pull off so many different things off the top of his head. Fingerprints of the Gods, The Sign and the Seal, Magicians of the Gods. So I've read Fingerprints of the Gods, which like, you know, decodes pyramids. And then uh, Magicians of the Gods is a work of fiction, but it's like historical fiction, parable stuff. Mm. Um, I'm into it. I'm going to check it out. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, uh, I also like... Um, uh, lead singer of Tool. Um, Keith. Uh, That's a random one. Yeah. Are you uh, are you a Tool fan? No. Maynard. Maynard James Keenan. So Maynard's Maynard's an interesting guy. Like um, philosophically and grows his own wine. Um, yeah. The did you one- hear? Um, did you hear him talk to Paul Stamets? Yeah. Mushroom biologist, how crazy was that? Yeah. Uh, that inspired a f- uh, my brother-in-law, who stutters, to go eat a giant bag of mushrooms. He's never uh-huh. done any psychedelics in his life, but he stutters, and he heard that episode, and he's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to eat 
four grams and see if it cures my stuttering. Did it screw up? I, I haven't heard him. I haven't heard back from him yet. I hope he's still so. alive. He's alive. Yeah, he's still alive. Okay. So if he's done it, it uh, <laughs> it uh, it didn't kill him, which is good. Okay, good. Um, That's funny, dude. There's so many good ones on there. I really like uh, Russell. Billy, Russell Brand was good. Russell Brand, yep. Billy Corgan from a month or two ago from the Smashing Pumpkins. That was a recent good one, dude. Even uh, yeah, so many like good, uh, funny comedians and stuff coming through there. I always like Ari Shafir too. And even if even if people are talking about things that are so out there or ridiculous that'll probably never happen, just the idea of it and that somebody's invested their life in it. Yeah. Um I think is you know, it's they're incredible thought experiments. You know, they're like philosophical questions that are that come up and I don't know, it just makes, it makes you think in a way that um, not many other forms of medium do. Right. Well, like you said, you're used to, you're, you're used to answering four questions that you've been asked a million times before. And then, Mm -hmm. then you're done. (laughs) (laughs) done. Uh, It's so stupid. Uh, It's funny, right? Like it just has to be, it has to be that quick and that like boxed. Yeah, it's yeah. They want the little tidbit, but who reads? Who reads it? Uh, I don't understand. Who reads those little blurbs? Who reads the blurbs? You know, after (laughs) after making a big kick or something, who reads that? (laughs) Who reads those blurbs? Right. Anybody really interested in that? I don't know. Good question. Yeah, yeah. I'm always more interested in. I think the Players Tribune is a really cool media source. Um, I agree. Just because they they get to a deeper level with these athletes, and the athletes write articles themselves and um, share their experiences. And um, you know, for those for those listening, athletes are definitely as human as it gets, um, with just as many flaws and just as many issues as everybody else in the world um they get put up on the pedestal so when you actually get to see a source like the players tribune you get to see that human side of them yeah pretty cool yeah to be able to speak openly or as as openly as you think that you can given Mm -hmm. the fact that millions of people millions and millions of people are going to read exactly what you write yeah it, it i i feel like i feel like there's a shift coming um in the way that we consume media in the way that we yeah. understand storytelling so that outlets like the players tribune or blogs by athletes, especially athletes. Cause they're, you're so visible, right? You're, yeah. so, you're so visible and you mean so much to so many, such a, a such a giant group of people that they're going to want to hear your opinion about X or Y or Z and if it's all filtered through blurbs, if it's just a blurb after blurb, I think yeah, that's no substance. It's not. There's nothing there. I was actually on that note. I was thinking about how cool it would be to write a book. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of athletes have been writing writing books recently. I mean, Michael Bennett just wrote a book. Yeah. Um, Long snapper Clint Gresham just wrote a book. Right. 
Um, you know, and these are guys that are friends and I've been, I've been trying to read their books and just, um, you know, it's, it's inspiring, uh, to put a message out there like that. And I was thinking how cool it would be, you know, what if, what if you had a, I don't know, like people look up to athletes. I mean, for me, I think it would be cool to read a book by Michael Jordan and, and Tiger Woods and Tom Brady and all these guys. Sure. Um, you know, there's so many different angles that athletes have on the, on the world that you just can't, you can't get if you have a normal, normal job because it just gives you a perspective on, on society and on life um, of what's important, what's important and people treat you differently sometimes as an athlete. So, um, you know, for better or worse, you under, you get to understand people really well. Um, you meet thousands of them, right. um, and you know, and you get, you can kind of see through what, what people like, you know, you can see the people who who like want something from you and you can see the people who don't really care and <laughs> just want to, you know, are just there for, you know, to spend quality time with you or whatever. Um, so anyway, something I'd love to put my, my thoughts together and, and write a book one day. I think it'd be a long book. There's a lot of thoughts. Well, <laughs> right. Well, you're a deep thinking kind of guy. Like I, <laughs> I, I know that I know that to be true. That you're that you're that you think deeply about things. You think deeply about everything. You know, it's, yeah. it's in your it's in your nature to to to. I mean, any anybody that f- that floats as often as you did and probably do in season. Yeah. You know, we have one at the we have one at the facility. I heard. I heard, man. I that's 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 so key. That's so it's awesome. Great. Nobody knows how to use it either, so I'm the only one that goes in there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I think though, writing a book, especially for a kicker, because you're you're it's such a niche. It's such a narrow niche. It's like, you know, like I'm trying to think of another uh like a goalkeeper, you know, like uh-huh. a goalkeeper is they're playing soccer, but they're just doing it way differently than everybody else's. Yeah, it's way different. Right? Yeah, I mean, the the longer I play, I realize that it's like all meant, it's 90% mental. It's 90% mental. The more, the, the longer I play, the more I realize how mental it is. Um, you know, just, I'd say most athletes don't even believe in themselves. <laughs> you know what I mean? At that, yeah. at that, deep level and in the past you know i've i've reached a point in the past year or so where i like truly believe in myself um and i don't know there's it's just a game of it's a game of discipline and mental resilience and just like just like a golfer yeah um you know the the distance that you take your steps each time matters um you know, how you train matters, how you eat matters. And, you know, you're essentially putting together this huge complex, um, program and then you play it out and you see if you're successful and then, you know, then, and then you can tweak the program a little bit and see if you can become just, you know, just a little bit more successful just by, you know, tweaking the program. So here I am in year 10 heading into year 11 um, and 
you know, finding, finding ways where I truly believe that I am going to be better next year. Um, and, you know, I, I break it down into three different areas. I break it down into the physical, the mental and the technical side of it. Hmm. And so I, I look at those three different areas and try to see, okay, how can I get better in each one of those? And once you learn to get better at something, um, you know, it's, it's a skill to learn. Yeah. Um, and once you know how to learn, you can learn anything and the information's out there. You can, you know, you can, it, a lot of, a lot of the best information is in books. And, um, uh, I wasn't much of a reader, you know, I, I was the kid who would just kind of like skim over the books and maybe check out a cliff notes or something if I didn't have time <laughs> yeah. in high school. And now I'm realizing how important reading is. It's, um, it's one of the best ways to for an, for somebody with really good ideas. It's one of the best ways to put those out on paper for somebody else to understand. Cause some ideas you can't just explain in a, in a sentence or two. It takes a book to do it. Yeah. Um, so once you learn how to under, or once you understand how to learn something and get better at something, then you just got to figure out what you need to get better at. I think that's um, the hardest you know, part. That's the hardest part. I don't think most people have the awareness or the, or the ability to reflect honestly and look at themselves and be like, okay, what do I need to get better at? Or how to, you know, what's even the most important thing to get better at? Um, but I think the more that you do that, you'll start getting to a point where you're not like you, there's, you can weed out a lot of the stuff. A lot of the stuff that's out there is just, um, people trying to make money. Um, basically, I mean, a lot of the stuff, at least in training, a lot of stuff that's out there for training is people trying to make money or, um, same with nutrition, people trying to make money if things were really what was, if things were really for the best, uh, for our best, even with phones, it's people trying to make money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if, if people were doing what was the best for us, um, you know, I guess nutritionally, you know, the grocery stores would be just full of healthy food. Right. And, you know, fast food stores would be full of healthy food for everybody. But it's not, that's not the way it is. Um, so you got to navigate through there, figure out what the best things to eat are, how to prepare them. And um, by the way, I love those, those meal services now, like Green Chef. And, Do you use them? Uh, yeah, Green Chef's awesome. And actually, we just, got the, we just got the Tom Brady 12 performance diet delivered yesterday. Nice. What's in that? <laughs> and had our, had our first meal. It was like a vegetarian thing, but... I had, to, I had to cook some salmon on the side with it too. But uh, is Tom? <laughs> I need my meat. Tom's not a veggie, is he? No. Oh. But um, I think it's a it's a he does eat a lot of plant based stuff. The, yeah, I imagine. Um, but anyway, so convenient to just have all the exact amounts of everything you need. Just quick little recipe, and the food tastes phenomenal. So anyway, nutrition nutrition's not I mean not set up that way for our bodies. Um, and from a nutrition standpoint, if you look at physically, um, it's not really that complicated to get like good workouts in. Um, but you see, you know, you see all these infomercials with all the, all the stupid products on there trying to 
sell people on that. You got people trying to sell gym memberships, but they don't care if you go to the gym. They just want you to sell you the membership. Right. Right. Um, I mean, and they got all these different machines, but nobody knows how to use them. Um, so once again, you got to weed your way through that, figure out what's the best stuff there. And I figured out Pilates is incredible. Ah. Um, if you can, if you can invest, um, your time in Pilates, you'll feel amazing. You'll just feel amazing. You need to get private instructions at the beginning just to learn it. Um, but I mean, such a good Joseph Pilates, um, developed Pilates for World War II vets. What? Really? Yeah. It huh. was a rehabilitation um, tool for World War II vets. Wow. And so it's gotten gotten um, labeled as kind of like a dance or a, a, a female training method. But uh, I can tell you it's as hard as anything. And it never gets easier. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's, you, it's so good. You love it? What do you, what do you, is it, it's like, it's like strengthening and lengthening, right? Is that? Strengthening, lengthening. It's just, it is strength training. Uh, I think a lot of people think of it as like yoga, which is kind of stretching slash strength. Um, the fact that you're, and I'm talking about on the reformer, which is the machine that has the springs. Right. Um, you can do, you can add resistance to it. And so you can, you can work your muscles through big ranges of motion with resistance through the whole thing, uh, which you can't really do that with normal weights. And you can't really do that in yoga. There's nothing like it. Yeah. So for, for people that are trying to stay loose and limber, it's the best thing out there. Do you, do you see it especially effective for like your trunk and waist? Cause you're, I mean that the torque in your hips, is that big? Yeah. I mean, People don't understand core training. The the core really is the majority of the body. If your if your core is not functioning, your legs are going to feel bad. Your upper body is going to feel bad. Um, proper core training and proper core engagement is. I spend a majority of my training around that. And once your core is trained, you can, you know you can do leg exercises and upper body exercises that are really working your core just as much, if not more than your upper body. Um, so that's the kind of workout Pilates gives you. I love it. And then for the people who don't want to, um, who, who can't really find a Pilates studio or maybe can't, can't do the private lessons. Um, there's this stuff out there called foundation training. Uh, and it's got a website, foundationtraining.com. Yeah. It's awesome. Dude, it's, you, it's you, like, you got me on that, uh, what, four years ago. Yeah. And I crashed. You've been doing it? Oh, I, I, every, every time that my back feels a little, I don't, I don't do it every day. I do it probably, I do it probably once a week. I do it probably mm-hmm. once a week. That's good though. I uh, dude. That's I, all you need for maintenance after a while. I've referred so many people to that and you, you showed me where, where to do it. And, and for all the people that come into the float center that have bad backs, that it's, they're just not engaging it, you know, like doing good mornings yeah. and engaging from, from the bottom, you know, like the supporting muscles around your, around your back and tr- dude, foundation training. It's is amazing. Awesome. For the people, um, who don't know about it. It's kind of like, a it's like you're holding yoga poses, um, in an isometric, position an isometric hold and it's 
it's like yoga on steroids is the best way to explain it. You really only <laughs> hold a few different positions, but it builds up your your core strength and your postural strength in a way. Um, it's it's really simple, easy to learn. They have videos online. Um, so a couple times of that, you know, 15, 20 minutes a week is enough to, and especially for those with back pain, this is just going to help so much. Yeah. Uh, the back, most people with back pain just have it because their, their low backs, like the only thing that's working in their body. Yeah. And it's just trying to hang on. <laughs> totally. So the, the key to get rid of getting rid of back pain is you got to get your glutes and hammies working. And then, um, you need that core stability in the front of your course. So, you know, doing some front planks and properly and then getting your glutes and hammies strong. That'll take care of a lot of back pain too. Yeah. I've, I've done, it's funny. Like when you do the foundation training and you notice like, Oh dude, like my, my shoulders are down and back. Like yeah. my chin is not, your chest is tall. Like, yeah. My chest is tall. And it's like, I don't even feel like sitting down right now. I'm so, yeah. right? Like I'm so engaged and my posture is so good and so upright that to sit down would just be like a, a waste. Yeah. Isn't that waste. crazy? But the beauty of it is it's, it makes you more, more resilient. So with all the sitting we do, all the traveling we do, um, it's such a, such a good thing to learn how to do it. You know, even in a couple of weeks, you could learn that and then you have it with you. So if you're traveling on the road, you don't have a gym. Oh, well, I can do some foundation for 20 minutes. And, you know, 20, 30 minutes of foundation is hard, like really wow. hard. Um, so I don't know. Once again, there's, there's things like that, that you, you just kind of, you just, you find, you come across things and you're like, wow, that's, that's amazing. Um, and I was introduced to this like um, by uh, this guy, Tim Brown, who's a chiropractor down here um, in Newport beach. And he's, he works with all the top pro surfers and, um, he's, he's, he finds all the different physical things out there and kind of, um, introduces them to me. And so then I started working with the guy, Peter, this trainer named Peter Park, who, um, he developed foundation training. So he was training, he was training me and I just started working with him again couple weeks ago and i feel awesome um just all the tech you know there's so many little minute details in the in how you're doing each of these things uh-huh um and so with a top trainer you can just you feel every single muscle working it's it's pretty cool stuff are you do you think of yourself as a detail detail guy oh yeah <laughs> and, and the more once again the more i play like the more detailed I get. And that's just, and I believe that, I believe that we all need to be coached up on our, on our technique. Like if you're feeling physical pain, you probably need a really, you just need a good trainer mm-hmm. to coach you up on stuff. Cause that's where a lot of it comes from. It's just poor, poor technique. And if you're lift, if you're lifting and you have issues, um, you know, the worst, one of the easiest ways to get injured is to have bad technique and, and lift a lot. <laughs> right. Right. You know, you're just asking for it. So, I mean, even with the foundation technique, I was, I was doing it throughout the season and it just wasn't feeling right. And I was kind of like pinching my hips as I was doing it and irritating stuff. 
Um, and sure enough, I was like probably 30% off with my technique. So oh, wow. when I got back, when I got back to working with Peter, um, we corrected it and I feel good again. So just little things like that. I mean, there's so many, if you can pay attention to all those little things, I mean, there's, we're complex beings. We have tons of different variables, but if you can start to correlate and pick out those little different variables in the aspects of your life that you care most about. Yeah. Uh, that's when you, that's when you can, that's when you can see improvement. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? This yeah. Growth. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for, you know, for someone, for someone like you, whose, um, profession is, in, is not only demanding on your body, but also really demanding on your mind and your time. Yeah. I would imagine that, that you've got to be really good at finding details, seeing if they work with you or if they serve you or if they don't. And then just like, okay, on to the next thing I need to, I need to continue to improve, continue to get better. Is this going to, you know, is this going to steal a bunch of my time and a bunch of my energy? Yeah. Then I can't do it. I just can't. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. And then you got to have a foundation, right? Um, and you got to build that foundation strong. And then there's other parts of your life that you can that you can experiment with and see see what it's all about. You know, kind of dip your dip your toe into it uh, and see if that's something that might benefit you. Um, but you know, you need you also need something that's stable. Um, so there's there's this constant kind of give and take with, you know, this is something that's worked for me. I'm going to do this. I'm going to still work really hard at it and make this, make this solid. And I'm also going to you know, explore this area and see, see what this area looks like. And, you know, somebody, a couple people that I trust, you know, mentioned, mentioned, you know, this person or this, this technique, you know, in the last couple of years. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to look at that. Yeah. And so the, as, as a football player, we go, go through the season from, you know, as the season goes on, you kind of get more and more, you hibernate more and more as the season goes on and just kind of like go into a, at, you know, like you start in training camp and stuff and you're feeling good and energetic. And then as the season goes on, you get t- more and more tired. The weather changes. It's darker. Um, and then you're just, by the end of the season, you're just trying to get good sleep and eat good and then go to work and do well. <laughs> um, and then the season ends in a couple of weeks, you get some time off. And then now that it's beautiful, it's just at the same time that spring, spring is occurring. Um, you know, I'm a, I look at something every spring and try to find something new that I can experiment with and see if it can help me. And so each spring I'm, I'm kind of looking for growth. And then, you know, once we get to summer, it's kind of, I've implemented that. And then I want to see how much of it, you know, choose a realistic amount of that to maintain throughout the season, whether it's physically, mentally, um, technically, and just maintain that. Um, And yeah, so it's about growth and then maintenance. And so it's kind of alternating those cycles. Yeah. Yeah. you know, it's, for some of the guys in the NFL, I'd say it's just about survival. <laughs> sure. Um, but I'd rather be in that, have that survival mindset than be stuck in survival mode. Well, and, and for the people that 
that will be listening to this, there this is at the heart of what what this what this podcast is about and what this conversation is, which is like uh, performance, which is how can you optimize for your performance? How can you? I, I really like the concept of of once a year picking or or investigating a thing for new growth in the spring when there's new growth. You know, it's mm-hmm. like in line with the with the natural rhythms of yeah. of the planet, right? And, and and then in the fall, you got to drop your drop your baggage, right? Exactly. <laughs> in the fall, it's like okay, I can't maintain all these hobbies anymore. Uh, you know, I all I can do is just work and family, <laughs> right? Yeah. So yeah, and take care of yourself. Well, what? But it, it, it's forced. I'm forced to do it because of the nat the natural cycle of my football season. Right. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I love it. I'm glad that I get to do it. And I also get this window of, of four months, you know, where I don't have to, it's really, it's three months where I don't have to work. That being said, I am working. Um, it's just on my own time. Right. It's more like working from home and it's, they're like half days. Right. Essentially. <laughs> right. And then the rest of the, the rest of the year when I'm at with the team, it's, they're full days, you know, you know, dawn till dark, uh, you know, you, you're coming out of there and going home and eating dinner and going to bed. Yeah. So, um, but I love it. I, but I think with most people's jobs, you don't get that flexibility, which is unfortunate. Um, you know, I think it's so cool in Europe, how they get long vacations, like especially Germans take these long vacations. Yeah. I think that's, I think vacation is so important. I do too. Um, like yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with the system. It's all about business once again, but our system, you know, the fact that people work, most people work like 48 to 50 weeks a year. That's crazy. Yeah. Right. Crazy. Well, even, even though, you know, even though people, are are working all year and and a lot of people skip their vacations or they're banking their vacations for later or whatever you know like there still is opportunities for for everybody to continue to dig and to, to continue to fact find and 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 find resources that help them in their life you know uh-huh. Whether it's professionally or relationship or whatever, and you know, as um, as a as a coach, you know, as a as a life coach, as a performance coach for a group of people who are are varied. Everybody, um, the people that are that that continue to grow forward in their life, like look outside to see what can help them. Like what uh-huh. what can they what can they learn? What can they apply? Um, like I want to go back to the point you made about like using this time to find new things, what, what are those things that you're looking for this spring that you might want to try out going into the next uh, NFL season? Well, um, part of it, part of this spring has been, part of it was a reset for me because I went to, I was in Buffalo this past season and, um, you know, without my, without the team of people that I was used to, I had six years of doing it one way in Seattle and I essentially had to find a new formula for success in Buffalo. Cause, um, I, I saw, I saw different therapists and 
in the Seattle area that, and I had a specific workout routine and, um, and when you're working with people, you just, unless those people come with you, there's no way to keep it, no way to possibly keep it the same. Um, so I knew that going into it. So I knew it was about finding a new, a new system in Buffalo. But what that meant was I didn't really have the base heading into the season that I needed because physically I couldn't train it. I didn't get to train as hard. I got nicked up a little bit in the spring too. So I was heading into the season, not in an ideal physical place. So part of this, I was able to maintain, but part of this off season for me was to like, take a step back and be like, okay, you know, what's going on here? What do I need to work on? And I went back to basics. I uh, was going to work with my, going to work with my foundation trainer, going to do my Pilates work. Um, on the foundation training website too, there's, you can find specialists that'll teach you one-on-one uh, in your area. So they have, there's people all over the country that do it I didn't that are that. certified in it. Um, just a little FYI. Um, so I'm investing my time and in, in those two things and, it's not always about what you do. It's about how you do it. Sure. So for me right now, I'm focusing on how I'm doing it um, and make sure, making sure my technique's proper. And, um, and then um, the doctor I went and saw um, was, you know, everything was good, but he was like, he should work with this, this ballet, ballet instructor. Um, you know, she can help coach you up. That's one thing I'm, I'm looking at. Nice. Um, yeah, I don't even, I'm just going to go in with an open mind. I mean, I know it's got, got its, um, labels to it. You know, why is a football player working with a ballet instructor, but you know, you wouldn't be the first, I wouldn't be the first. (laughs) Um, so I'm going to look at that. What about, Um, what about like Kung Fu? If you consider Kung Fu, you know, you know, I've done gin- – there's a bunch of things I've tried. Um, Gymnastica Natural, you ever heard of that? No. It's a really cool kind of jujitsu slash um, mixed with like baby baby motions. <laughs> like I say baby motions meaning like how does a child start moving? How does their developmental huh. system work neurologically? Um but the moves are really cool. YouTube, some gymnastica, G-I-N-A-S-T-I-C-A. Okay. Natural. It's a Brazilian kind of, it's a, it's got a lot of good flow to it. Wait. Kind of rolling around on mats and stuff. I think it goes well. A bunch of the top jujitsu guys do it. Yeah. Um, so I did that. I mean, but that wasn't for me. I, uh, I love, I love the flow of it, but, and, and kickboxing, I've done that. Very cool, but some of these things are, you know, just kind of, they're never going to be a part of my foundation. Right. Uh, I'll do them, I'll do them kind of as hobbies and stuff for, for fun for, to get a good workout. But, right. Um, then, let's see, for, then for this year, yeah, I'm, I'm working with a really good soft tissue therapist too this year. So that's kind of my go to. So I'm just, I'm investing and in working with really good soft tissue people and then uh, getting coached up by really good trainers. That's kind of my thing this, this off season. 
I also, I know this is going to sound crazy. I got some rollerblades <laughs> the other day. And I went rollerblading yesterday for the first time and probably I'm 32. Uh, gosh, probably I haven't been rollerblading since seventh or eighth grade. I don't know when, when was rollerblading cool? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, never, that's still cool, man. What are you talking about? Or it's still cool. It's, people, people in Seattle are probably like, "What? Uh, uh, yeah, rollerblading's not cool." <laughs> <laughs> in Portland, they're definitely saying that. And definitely in Portland, you're right. Um, so anyway, I had, I was like laughing. I was having so much fun. Although going downhill was pretty sketchy. I'm sure. Yeah, I I need to get some pads for sure. <laughs> and a, um, maybe a mouth guard. Yeah, maybe a mouth guard. <laughs> but yeah, things like that. Just uh, I like to keep it fresh and fun, and be outside. If I can, if I can get my cardio outside, I like to do. Uh, I like to go biking or go go paddleboarding, something like that. What's What's the most What's the most stressful part about being an NFL kicker? Um. Uh, I would say that, you know, it's kind of like the fact that anything can happen and going into a game. Because like I said, you put in, you put in all the work and you, you know, you have your program and you're going to do that no matter what. Right. But that still doesn't mean there's any guarantees. Yeah. You know, and, and things that can ha- things can happen that are totally out of your control and you know you're also expected to be perfect so um i think the combination of those two things that you're expected to be perfect and that things can happen that are out of your control um like if you look at the super bowl Gaskowski's like i think it was his first field goal or something it was kind of a weird snap and hold and you know, he's, he has to stutter step into it. And, you know, so he's visualized, you know, probably hitting it down the middle of the uprights every single time. Then all of a sudden, first kick of the game, you know, it's a whole, you know, shit show, basically. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, right. he's like, what's going on here? <laughs> and then next thing you know, it's, it's a, you know, it affected his, when it, you know, it affects his rhythm. And so, I don't know, there's things like that, that I'd say for the app, you know that most people don't understand kicking and I get it because it's it's a unique thing that only a few people do but a lot of things go into missed kicks and a lot of them are out of the control of the kicker sometimes yeah so i don't know that's that's just one of the the parts of it but after a while the longer i've played i realized that um you know, it's impossible to be perfect. Uh, you can you can play really you can play at a high level, no question, for a long time. But it's impossible to be perfect. Um, you might be able to pull it off for one season, but you can't do that forever. Right. Um, so that's that's thrown out the window. So I don't even try to do that. Um, you know, you just try to play, do the absolute best you can, um, and be the best version of yourself and. The other thing is, 
uh, you know, the pe- the people, the people watching and criticizing and uh, the fans of the game, you know, whether whether they're rooting for you or against you or whatnot, um, they don't they don't know me. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Uh, right. They don't know me, and so when they when they say they love me, they don't they don't love me. <laughs> right. And when they say they hate me, they don't hate me because <laughs> they don't they don't know me. Right. Um. So you you kind of realize like what stuff what stuff matters and what stuff doesn't. And my family matters a lot. Um. And so that's just something that, you know, you, you learn it the hard way sometimes because you care about, you know, in, in, in years past, I've cared about what other people think, but, you know, gets, so, some of that stuff gets old. You're like, okay, I, I just don't care anymore. <laughs> yeah. That's good advice for everybody. I mean. It is. <laughs> if, if, I wish we weren't brought up to care what other people thought. Or think, but it's just the way we, I guess a lot of people. Yeah. It's, it's tribal, you know, it's in our, it's in our DNA to worry about, you know, what the other members of the tribe think of us so that we know where we stand, you know? There's an amazing book by uh, Brene Brown called Braving the Wilderness. Uh Uh-huh. It just came out. She's an, she's an amazing author. Yeah. Um, Kind of talks about all that. Just talks about how, how we latch on to we latch our, we connect our identity to these ideas and these thoughts that we have. Um, you know, so whether it's a political opinion or whether it's, you know, something, you know, something controversial, some, maybe something about race or something like that, we attach our identity to it. So then when somebody's, you know, has a different opinion, you can't even hear them because it's like you're literally in fight or flight mode. Right. You're just trying, you're trying to argue like your life is on the line. Yeah. And so if more people could just take a step back and just, um, have an open mind and just realize it's, it's okay to have different opinions. It's actually, it's great that we have different opinions. How we, it's how our culture forms a better, a better future culture and future. It's how we kind of evolve our culture, I think. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's it's awfully popular. It's awfully popular to get upset. You know, it's becoming more and more um, easy to become inflamed and enraged. And like, we're so sensitive now. We are. It's well, and you know, you and I were talking about Joe Rogan before. Uh, well, in the beginning, I don't know when we 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 just been rapping for now a good hour. Uh, but we were talking about Joe Rogan and. Uh, that sort of concept of t- that he talks about a lot is uh, toxic tribalism hmm. where groups of people get upset, you know, let's just say like, you know, football fans, they're part of a tribe, you know, and they, they, they get upset and, and the same things it's, it's us versus them. And it's the same thing with like, you know, political groups. It's the same thing with religious groups. It's us versus them. It's us versus them. And anything that, that, uh, that compromises our opinion or what we think is right pisses us off and then we're up in arms and then we signal to everybody else in the tribe that we think this is wrong and we should, you know, point wag fingers. And, yeah. You know, it's like that, 
that's never going to work. That's no, that that's no, that, never going to work. I, I honestly think more and more and more of our issues are coming from our addiction to cell phones and, and, and media or like uh, computers. I just think every, your world is, I listened to a whole thing on this. Your whole world on Facebook is basically a mirror looking back at you. So whatever you believe and think and follow. Right. It's an echo chamber. It's an echo chamber. So you're just <laughs> seeing the same thing. So you're not going to see, you know, you're just going to think the whole world thinks like you do. Right. Uh, which makes, keeps us even more insulated. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I really think. I've noticed it in the past couple of years, people are more addicted than ever to their cell phones. Even some of my closest, um, you know, some of the closest people in my life, I watch it and I do it myself too. And I'm like, what is happening here? Well, I don't know about you. Do you ever get sucked into Instagram looking at like complete random stuff? Of course. Yes. Of course. Okay. Yeah. So when, when did Instagram turn into this thing where it used to be all about, okay, let's look at, let's look at my close friends and see what they're up to. And now it's okay. Let's look at complete strangers doing stupid stuff. Yeah. Um, or let's look at these random players like playing golf or, you know, for me, (laughs) once again, talk about an echo chamber. It's just all these (laughs) things that you think are interesting, just looking right back at you (laughs) and you're just staring at them. Like Pilates moves and golf swings. I don't follow any Pilates people, but gosh, I've, well, you. I mean, I'm embarrassed by some of the stuff I looked. Dude, on you held out for a Instagram. long time. I remember, you know, a couple of years ago, you were still sort of resistant. Yeah, I wasn't even on it. You weren't even on <laughs> it. You've only been on Instagram for what? A year and a half, if that. Maybe longer. Maybe yeah. two. That's I, like I find it hard. I find it hard to. What's the balance of posting on there, not posting on there? What do I post? No one ever teaches you how to do that. No. Well, I mean, you have. You you could hire. You could hire somebody. You could hire somebody yeah. in four seconds to help you manage that, right? But it's totally. not it's not your style to want to have to mess with that, right? No, it's a I do wanna I do wanna get my ideas out there though. Um you know, not that they're the not that they're my ideas, essentially. They're just kind of sharing ideas that you've heard that are good ideas. Well, I, I think I think that your perspective is unique, and I'll tell you why, Steve. I think that you are you are such you, you're you're a niche, like you said earlier. Like there are so few people on the planet that do what you do. Like mm-hmm. you could fit them all, you could fit them all in a gymnasium. All the people on the planet that do that do what you do at an elite level, and in the whole world, and and your, uh, I think one of the most interesting things that, that I've come to know about you is your interest in the brain and your interest in yourself and your own performance and your own, and the mechanisms around optimal performance. You like, Uh you know, you've been into wearables and meditation devices and, and trackables for, for, for a long time. And I, I think it would be really interesting, especially because of, the stress that goes along with being a kicker who is expected to be perfect. I mean, like, you're right. That is, that is, the, that, that is the minimum is just don't miss. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, it's fine. You can do whatever you want. Just don't miss. Right. And, and, and that, and that must be so 
um, um, bewildering so frequently that I think that if, if you talked a little bit about your philosophy, like, you know, one thing that well, let's I think, talk, let's talk for a second about what's the best part of my job. Let's talk about, yeah, let's, let's talk about let's, the best let's part. Let's keep it positive here. Sure. Um, there's an amazing ability to spread positivity and spread, spread like good energy from playing on a football team. And when we first got to, when I first got to Seattle in 2011, um, I mean, the fans were fans like the football team and stuff. And um, I think we were seven and nine that first year, but then it, things kind of escalated. The team started this, the way we finished that first season was, was pretty, pretty important. We were, we were beating some really good teams. Um, and then the next year, I think we went like, I forget if we went 10 and six or something or 12 and four. Um, anyway, the next year we were on fire. We were beating teams like crazy. And the, and the city was starting to feel the, feel the momentum building. We ended up losing to Atlanta in the playoffs that year. Uh-huh. But um, then the next year we went to the Super Bowl and won it. And so just the being part of that made me realize you know, I, I have a small, I have a role on the football team, but the football team has a role in the energy of the city. And I think that there's a huge correlation between the success of the Seahawks and the success of, you know, the ex- expansion and growth of the city of Seattle throughout that same time. Totally. And, um, you know, so I feel like I was a part of that in Seattle, not to mention all the amazing things we did in the community. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, 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 and then the, and then the little things like, you know, not only community events, but also, you know, just the, the little things like meeting. There's this girl named Maddie uh, who I met the year we went to the second Super Bowl. Um, met her in December. She was, I think she was five years old at the time and she lived up in Kirkland. And she was battling um, some kind of like cleft lip and palate cancer, throat cancer. And, um, you know, was diagnosed with that. And, you know, it was eating out of a feeding tube and, you know, her head shaved off and everything. And, you know, at the time they had no idea whether she was going to make it or not. And spending time with her, she was so infectiously positive. We would, we were hanging out together. And, um, so I met her, this, this fireman who lived in the neighborhood told me about her. So I went over on Christmas and met her. Oh, cool. And then, um, Sure enough, we became friends with her and her family. So I'm like, here I am, a professional football player, like friends with this five-year-old girl because we had a lot of things in common. I mean, she had a, did a little microscope that she would bring all of her little rocks and slides over and we'd look at them under the microscope. That's awesome. And then, yeah, she had, I forget what else, played with her toys and we did some drawings and stuff. Anyway, in this time when, 
I I think I had a, a tough game. And, you know, I was and then we headed heading into the playoffs. And then here I am going in to play the Super Bowl in the same place where I had a tough game. And I'm thinking back, I'm like, this little girl Maddie is like fighting for her life. And she's got the most infectiously positive energy, like genuinely positive energy. I'm not kidding. It wasn't like that fake positive, but sad deep down. She was like positive through and through. Wow. And, you know, just such an inspiring story, such an inspiring thing for me to see. But, um, and then that, that story got like, you know, went out a little bit cause the media media found it and, um, went out to the public, which was great, but just things like that, even the one-on-one interactions, um, are, are part of that, you know, basically as a player, you have a, you have a role in the community, a big role in the community. And I felt like we were able to do some really good stuff in Seattle and, and then going to Buffalo this year, um, you know, the team hadn't been to the playoffs in 17 years and yeah, sure enough, we make the playoffs and, you know, to see the, I guess I'd been used to going to the playoffs, but to see the fans, um, their excitement, it brought me back to when we won the Super Bowl in Seattle. Honestly, that's how excited the fans were just to make the playoffs. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's stuff that I know it's just a game, but that's, that's something that these fans, um, and these people, in Buffalo, will they'll carry with they'll carry it through um, the winter. I mean, it's not it's not easy living in Buffalo in the winter. Sure, um, you know it'll give it gives people hope and it gives people positive energy to go live their lives in the best way that they can. Totally, no, absolutely. So that yeah, I mean that's that's a that's an that's an excellent that's an excellent explanation of like. Well, here's what's all, here's what's awesome about this opportunity that, yeah. I, that I that I work my ass off for all the time. I mean, totally. it, you're right to be to be able to to be able to have that opportunity to actually touch people, to make them feel good, to shine a light, to you know, um, to inspire. You know, like that's mm-hmm. that's that's what an honor, right? Yeah. Plus, plus, regardless of how you feel about the race stuff, regardless of your opinion. Um, you know, the football players are some of the, the main people that have brought up this conversation in our country Agreed. and brought it to the forefront of our, of our country's attention. Um, and I think that in itself is a really amazing thing, uh, yeah. just to be having those conversations and, um, yeah, I, th- I think that's, I think that's an amazing amazing thing to see and i think it's something we'll look back at and be like wow that was a powerful powerful time right yeah yeah um, the- and then the one the one other part of it too um so i played 10 years in the nfl and one of the coolest parts about it is that each year each season is just full of challenges you never know what they're going to be heading into it you know, last year I, I dealt with some physical challenges, you know, sometimes you might have a mental challenge or a physical or a technical challenge or, um, you know, it might be something outside of football. Yeah. Um, 
You know, it might be something that's going on in the country. It might be something that's going on in your community. Um, going on with another player in the in the room or something, or your team's struggling. You never know what the challenge is going to be. Um, and there's several of these challenges a year, and you're kind of forced to either overcome them. You're, you're forced to either try to numb them out and, like, run away from them, <laughs> um, which plenty of my teammates do, or, like, try to overcome them. Um, and so essentially in the way I see it each year of playing football is like you see, you get the same number of challenges that you would. in I don't know, like three or five years of kind of normal life. <laughs> right. And so in playing 10 years of football, I've been through 30 or 40 years of challenges. I feel like, <laughs> so it's, it's, an immense opportunity for growth. Yeah. Uh, and it happens quickly. It's not, there's not a ton of time to recharge and like, um, evaluate everything that's going on. You, you gotta just like figure it out and sure. do it. Right. Um, but it makes, it can make you really strong. Um, I think that's part of the reason why some of the guys in the NFL, end up end up broken after playing football because the challenge is I mean there's there's fine there's there's just so many challenges it's, it's a it makes for weird dynamics in your family life it makes for weird dynamics in your financial life um, you know there's not that anyone be it, it's it's hard to explain all of it but there's a right way. There's a lot of like difficult parts of playing in the NFL and there's a right way to kind of overcome all those things. And then there's another, <laughs> and there's a wrong way. So I don't know. I just, I feel fortunate to have the opportunity to, to have been in all these experiences and, and learn. I mean, I feel like I'm set up for great things when I'm done playing football, just, you know, to have, have a second career where I can make positive changes in the world and not and have it based solely on okay what can I give back to the world yeah uh, in the most valuable what's the most powerful thing I can do to give back to the world you I, know when I'm done playing and that'll be my main kind of criteria what am I gonna do what what ideas what ideas do you have currently oh it changes every year. Yeah, have you Changes thought every year. have you thought about science or medicine or or anything like that? Um Yeah, I mean I, I part of part of it is I've 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 like acquired all these kind of skills and I guess you I guess you would call it the the physical part of the body and the mental part of the body, you know, just I know I know a lot about the body and how it functions. Not as much as some other body professionals, but from working with these people that are the best in their field, I've learned a lot from them. Um, feel like that's something that I could go into. Cool. I, I I think I'm a connector, though. I I come up, I find good ideas, I try them out, I believe in them, 
or I don't. And then I can spread those ideas. Yeah. To the ma- to the masses. I think I feel like that's sort of my role. Cause there's a lot of smart people out there that have written a lot of good things, but they don't necessarily get out to the public. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I do have a, a microphone, I guess, or a, a loudspeaker of being an NFL player. Um, so that's, that's one potential, potential Avenue. I, I don't know. There's, I've got so many views on the on the world and what's going on. I just I still need some time to figure it all out before sure. like I, I want to take it all together and then figure out what's my best angle here and then a- approach it that way. Or maybe something will come in, you know, come into my lap and it's like, well, here's your best angle for you. Here you just do it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it'll be like that, but well, um, I. I feel like more now more than ever, and part of it's uh, t- Twitter's different because it, it it enables mass immediate instantaneous communication, but it also has become like an arena for like negativity. You know, sort of uh-huh. like it, it's it's super. It feels you know for somebody like me who's on Twitter some, but I I really kind of stay away because it feels so toxic. Uh, but even above and beyond that, like. It, it, I feel like it's more okay now than it has been maybe ever for athletes to have like an actual opinion or a point of view uh-huh. or like, um, like you said, like a megaphone, a blog or, you know, entrepreneurship or advocacy or stuff like that. I, I feel like it's probably more okay now than it, than it has been. Um, you know, like we mentioned the players tribune where you can actually have something to say, something that, that may institute change that may help people or may help people think in a new way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I would, I would be interested to see where you go. You know what, what you come up with because, um, I, I know, I know how curious, <laughs> how curious you yeah. are, right? So curious. Sometimes I have, I'm overzealous. I lack like sometimes less is more too. Um, but I have so many interests in the world. I, I feel like I could just, you know, I'd be, I'd be happy learning about everything, but at some point you got to figure out, figure out what you want to do and make sure you have enough time to do it. Um, yeah, I don't know, but the, yeah, there's, there's so many things out there, I guess the, the world's changing so fast too. Um, I don't think it, I don't think it was always like this. I don't think, no, I don't I mean, think it was. I think we're going to be, I think this technology stuff is going to go somewhere that we're not foreseeing. Um, you know, I mean, and the, I think there's some things in the world that are going to change so quickly um, that parts of the country are going to be left scrambling, trying to figure out what's going on. Like the, the fact these driverless cars, as yeah. soon as those are on the road, I mean, If you logically think about it, there won't be traffic as soon as after those driverless cars are up and running because the cars will be able to talk to each other and figure out what are the best routes. And, you know, they'll be able to all go at 30 miles per hour if they need to, you know, or 50 miles per hour if they need to. Right. You know, so essentially there won't be traffic. (laughs) I haven't thought about it. Have you thought about that? No, I haven't. It's I mean, think about it. I I don't see why there would be traffic. 
Yeah, if, if if every if every vehicle is coordinated with the other and say, okay, in order to optimize the speed at which we're all driving, you slow, I'll go. Okay, now, yeah, I didn't think about. And not well, only that, but you'll be able to open up different. You'll be able to open up construction on different parts of the city. Like you, you'll be able to block off massive parts of cities, and just just do whole massive changes to the infrastructure of the city without having to worry about traffic at all because right. you can re- you can route the traffic through other areas of the city and it won't be a problem. Yeah. So eventually you'll have a system where you can put cars wherever you want them. Yeah. But then there's yeah. going to be that one guy in his uh in his F two fifty F four fifty. No, they won't let people. You only be able to allowed to drive on like certain roads because right. it just won't be safe. Yeah, it's true. Because the driverless cars will be safer. Right. So anyway, there's there's things like that that'll happen that are just gonna rock, rock the world. Yeah. Uh, in ways that we can't even predict. And you know, technology will. You know, like how much is technology going to change education? Like we already have, we already have a lack of good, like high quality teachers because they're not, I mean, I mean, I, I think teachers are amazing and I, um, but I, I don't think that, I don't think that there's enough good teachers in the world um, for, you know, for a lot of different reasons, it's not incentivized. It's not, um, you know, teachers aren't given a whole lot of time to, to train. They're not paid well enough to like invest in themselves, all these different things going on. Uh, there's not enough money in the public, in the public school systems to train, train the teachers. I mean, that being said, I think that you could have use technology to have one good teacher's lessons get out to the entire country or the entire world. Right. And with virtual reality and stuff like that, I oh, mean, man. kids, kids might not even have to go to college or, right. or, you know, you'll need the social aspect of it, but. Yeah. You, you can go, uh, you can go like, in a virtual world and like attend the signing of the declaration of independence, you know? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Killer. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's all types of things like that. There's like, you know, where is this, where is this world going? I think, at the, I think at the end of the day, we just need more, more people need to be aware because if people are aware, they'll make, they'll pass that on to other people and they'll make good decisions and um, they'll have the best best interest of humanity in mind if they're if people are aware yeah if we let the mach- the business machine take over and technology take over we're just going to lose ourselves yeah yeah i think you could you could look at it a couple of different ways you know that hopefully it's going to help empower us for the good you know and not uh and not and not screw not not make it harder for us to thrive and to have peace and love you know Totally. Yeah. There, I, I was, a friend of mine was just telling me about, there's a headset that you can, that you can wear that like it's, it's AR. So it, it provides you with a new environment and it's tactile. So you, 
you're walking around with the headset on, you're touching stuff, but you you're literally you feel like you're in another like it's so real. Really? It feels like you're in another environment, and you can like give. I mean, you could be on the moon. Like it could feel like you're being on yeah. the moon. Like why would you leave that? Why, why would you ever <laughs> why take the thing that? off? You know, wouldn't exactly. wouldn't, wouldn't you want to continue swimming at the bottom of the ocean and like. You know, um, swimming with schools of tuna, or or do you need, or 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 do you need to shower and go like, <laughs> and it, go to work, and go to work, right? <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. That's, and I think that's going to be the dilemma heading in. You know, in the future, it's it's going to be we're already disconnecting for twenty thirty minutes at a time when we scroll through Instagram. Um, yeah, look looking at people we don't even know, right? Um, we're already disconnecting. So, and we're already disconnecting when we hop hop on the computer or on the internet. I mean, sorry, on the TV for a long time and watch Netflix. Right. Um, what's going to happen when we disconnect for, you know, six hours, 10 hours on virtual reality. Cause you know, we want to go somewhere that's really cool. Right. What is that world going to look like? This is, that's what I'm saying. Like there's some, some stuff's going to happen. Like we're going to, we're either going to lose parts of our, like parts of our, of society are going to do that. There's going to be, I mean, there's already computer nerds that are doing that. And like on video games all the time, I get it. But I mean, there's going to be a bigger population of people that just totally are living in an alternate world. Yeah. Where they can, but you know, it's all just, people just want to feel good and feel happy. Right. Yeah. That's what they want. Right. So that, that comes from within. So we, we need to learn. That's why I say it comes down to awareness because once you reach a certain level of awareness, you realize that happiness comes from within. No outside thing is going to make you happy. No, like you could go buy a pair of sneakers might be rewarding for a minute because they're comfortable, but not going to make you happy in the long run. Yeah. You know, deep, deep happiness comes from within. And, and I think with an increased awareness, people are, are going to understand how important it is to have like face to face contact with people and to, Mm -hmm. to actually like get a hug, give a hug, yes, feel supported, you know, go outside with your shoes off, you know, like that's, that sort of, that sort of awareness, that sort of how I think of it in, in, in the work that I do is you know consciousness expansion it's like yeah expanding people's awareness to know that that it balance is key and um uh touching in with yourself is is important like the importance of love and it's just the hippiest like most cliche it is. it's so hippie though but the hippies were smart yeah it, it, it's, were, it's universal the the love thing is real. Yeah. It really is about that. Um, it's about loving yourself too. Yeah. And I don't know. I, if I were, if there was one thing that people would take away from this, it would be to meditate. Yeah. Um, it's just, cause that's, that's the tool. There's just a constant flow of information into our lives there's a constant flow of, of thoughts, things, people, 
situations, you know, there's way too much for the brain to, to handle. Um, and so what meditation does besides giving you peace and calm, which is obviously immensely important, um, helps you, helps you weed through all that. Yeah. Which thoughts should I listen to? Uh, what should I do today? Um, you know, how do I want to live my life? How do I, how do I want to spend my day? What's my ideal day look like? Um, the more connected and med- you know, the more you meditate, the more connected you are, the more you have a, that innate sense. It's all within us. You have that innate sense to, to do what's best for you. Yeah. The more disconnected you are from that, the more you, the more you drink, the more you, um, you know, like numb out on Instagram and stuff. Or rage, you know. Or rage. Um, the less connected you are, and the less able you are to live your health, to live your life in a healthy way, and to live your life in a way that's that's healthy for the for our society and for the planet. Yeah. The way I see it. So essentially meditating is like this superpower that nobody does, but everybody should. Right. Um, and it takes a little while of doing it to realize why it's even important. Um, and it's not even, you're never going to get there. I think you're never going to get to, there's no like end goal. Like, Oh, I, I won. I'm done. <laughs> I received you know, total consciousness. I'm done meditating I, I now. I received it. I'm done. <laughs> no, you just keep keep going at it. Keep it. That's why they call it a practice. Just do it for 10 minutes a day. They have there's calm.com, which is a good app or Headspace. That's a great way to get started. Just check out your app store. Yeah. Um How did you yeah, get, how did you and, get and started? The thing Steve? is it doesn't pay off. Like same with floating. Yeah. Floating is is like meditation on steroids. Um uh, and it's funny because it doesn't you start doing it and you get a little bit of payoff but the real payoff comes down the road and when you look back in hindsight you're like oh that came from all that meditation i did the last couple years right that's when you get your that's when you really get your breakthroughs yeah, when you when you understand that a good idea can be traced all the way back to a to a float session, or or when you're in an argument with somebody and uh, you you think about losing your cool and getting fired up and you're like, no, it's it's okay, I can just relax. Mm-hmm. I know how to relax. I know what that feeling is in yes. my body, <laughs> where my body's relaxed and my brain is relaxed. I'll just go to that spot. Yeah, I think I think well it's and, a key to it's a key to happiness. It is. It is to to be able to choose how you respond to everything. Everything. Period. And to choose how to live your life instead of just doing what uh you grew up thinking you know we're we're patterned with all these things that we see growing up as kids. Right. You know whether it's coming from our parents or society or um or TV, all these things. Um pattern us and you know it's not until i was my late 20s that i was like wait why am i doing this again (laughs) um and a lot of that comes from meditation so you know you take control of your life and you can live it however you want yeah man 
you can do you can literally do whatever you want but you just, you just gotta meditate <laughs> figure, to figure it out and right. you gotta do it like consistently do you uh tell me a little bit about your meditation practice what does it look like Whoa. um it's a discipline it's a disciplined game <laughs> like i'm sure it is for a lot of people um but it's becoming easy easier and easier the more I do it. Um, but I'll start the best, best way to do it is I guess there's a Harvard study that said, if you get 12 minutes of, uh, meditation in, um, that's how you get the, that's how you get the effects of like last, <laughs> lasting calm and, um, peace from it. So if you can, there's this threshold that if you get 12 minutes, it's like way more beneficial, I guess. Sure. Um, so I try to get 12 minutes in to the dot. I don't want to do it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Um, yeah, so I'll do 12 minutes, like first thing in the, try to do it first thing in the morning before the, the kid wakes up. Um, you know, once he wakes up, then it's kind of starts this two hour window of just feed him, wash him. I'll do all this stuff. So if I can get it in before then it makes my day a lot calmer and, um, more grounded. Yeah. Um, and you know, I just, I just start out. There's this technique. If you put your finger over your right nostril, just hold down your right nostril and breathe through your left, left nostril. That's, um, calms your, calms your whole, um, that would be parasympathetic system. Yeah. So very calming and, um, yeah, it just, you'll, st- you, you won't have many thoughts at all when you're doing that. So if you can do that for, I do that for about five minutes of it. Um, and then, you know, I, I do some, try to ask my intuition if there's anything I need to know for the day. Um, which is kind of a, kind of a weird thing to do, but, um, it's really helpful. Um, it's kind of just like a general idea of like how to live your day. Yeah. And like, what's important to do that day. Um, you know, so some days it might just be about living kind of like a heart centered day. Um, you know, living in empathy and living in peace and love and, you know, giving, giving to others. Um, and, you know, loving myself too. So, you know, a lot of that, a lot of that stuff comes up the more you start to meditate. So I think we all have this part of us. I think all humans have this part of us that's kind of connected with that, that, um, knowledge that's how that's how life is supposed to be lit yeah yeah you, you and i think it's all there but you know everybody sounds like hippies i guess <laughs> until it, it, until you until you find it yourself so it's impo- once you find it yourself you're like yeah that is so true right love and free um, will love and free will 
It's 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 a universal truth, and I think there are some other universal truths that also um, that also help you live a a um, the type of life that you want, like gratitude, like forgiveness, you know, like um, inspiration, like these sorts of things that that like add to each of our lives. They're they're choices. And, and you and I both agree. And I think a lot of people that are listening are going to agree. You're right. Like when I'm, when I'm still and quiet, when I'm meditating, when I have a time away from push notifications and, um, you know, game of Thrones, when I'm just sitting quietly, just listening to my breath and asking myself, like, what, what's important to me? What should I pay attention to? You'll get an answer. <laughs> you will. You'll you'll get a reply. Especially that will help if you, you ask. If you ask yourself, right? Sometimes asking yourself is you'll get an immediate answer. It gives you a lot of clarity. Yeah. Um, you know what's my purpose or what's my what's my goal for today or something. Yeah. Um, asking yourself a question gives most of the time gives a pretty immediate answer. Right. Like whatever the first thing to come up is. And, 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 and I believe that there are lots of different sources from that sort of information that we have access to in my, mm-hmm. in my spiritual practice and in my meditation practice, you know, sometimes that's coming from your higher self or your future self. You know, sometimes that's coming from the collective unconscious, you know, the sort of Jungian, you know, uh, uh, vibration of, 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 of understanding and truth between us human beings Sometimes it can be coming from your ancestors. Sometimes it can be coming from your spirit guides. Sometimes it can be coming from just what you want, may want to call like your intuition. But that those sorts of questions are worth asking all the time. Like every uh-huh. day asking yourself, what do I need to know? What do I need to see? How should I be today? Like that, that is, that is, that's living an inspired life. Asking those questions and trying to guide, live, live on that path. Yeah, and whether, you know, however you look at it, so if some of that went over people's heads, you know, like how could we possibly get information from our ancestors? Um, if you think about it, we are our ancestors. Yeah. We are our ancestors. Literally, their DNA is in us. Right. Um, their information is in us. And a lot of the life lessons and – you know, who knows what information is in us anyway, but, you know, we learn stuff from our parents and we essentially are our parents. Um, and so, I don't know, all that information is in us and there's, there's countless other types of information in us. Um, you know, whether, and even as simple as, okay, I should probably be afraid of that lion. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you know, that's information that, that we just innately know. There's another, there's other information that, you know, we're not as connected with, but we, if you meditate, you can find it. Yeah. And so that, I don't know, that's, that's the thing too. There's so many, there's so many tools. Um, like once you start meditation, you can actually, and once you get deep in there, you can find, uh, there's a lot of information in there. If you like 
creative information too. If you want to, if you're an inventor or an artist or something, or, you know, supposed to be coming up with ideas at your work, um, you definitely need to be meditating because that's where all the most creative stuff comes from. Totally. And I mean, there's times that's why I feel like I have countless ideas. I'm like, Oh, I wish I could do that. But I don't have the time. Right. Uh, but I don't know. There's, there's just this, there's this field of information. Um, not only outside that keeps growing, but also within us that, that keeps growing. If you, if you go there. Yeah. And you can keep learning more and more. It's, it's pretty cool. It's, yeah. it's infinite. It's infinite. Just like, you know, just like outer space is infinite. <laughs> yeah. Inner space is also infinite. Inf- it is. Yeah. Yeah. When I do workshops and, or work with, you know, work with clients and stuff, you know, I ask them a simple question, like, where do, where do your best ideas come from? And they're like, ah, I don't know. Uh, and I was like, do you have any, do you ever get good ideas in the shower? And the, and, and most people are like, you know what? I think every good idea that I've had has come from the shower because <laughs> you're not doing anything. You're not, you're not watching anything. You're not talking to anyone. You're just by yourself and you're quiet. You're being washed over by negative ions that are grounding you and become, and totally. you become more focused. You know, like that's where most, that's where most people's good ideas come from is the shower. And, and if you could connect people with that understanding of themselves, then imagine what that would be like if you could just sit and be quiet. If you could, if, totally. if you could just sit and be quiet and watch your thoughts and be with them and, and roll uh, through your life with a little bit of grace and a little bit of stillness, like, man, you're, you're ahead of the game. I'll tell you, I'll tell you where most good ideas for me come, come from or when they come is uh, whenever I don't have like a notepad or anything to write them down. <laughs> <laughs> totally. You know? Yeah. It's like, okay, how far away are you from a notepad or anything that you'll be able to remember this with? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, here it is. Here's, here's the secret to everything. <laughs> here's the secret. Well, oh, man. I, I appreciate, I don't want to take up any more of your time, man. I, I appreciate you sitting down. This has been such a fun opportunity just to sit and talk about performance and culture and the brain and the body. And, and I, and I really appreciate it when, when the book, when the book is ready, yeah. when, when, when the <laughs> podcast is ready, whatever, whatever you've got, um, if there's any charitable organizations or anything, if there's anybody that, that we can draw attention to, that we can point our listeners towards, let me know now, or we'll, we'll, we can follow up and put it in the show notes. Nice. Well, check me out for now. Check me out on Instagram, Stephen Hauschka for, um, S T E P H E N Hauschka H A U S C H K A four. Um, I'll, I'm going to start trying to post some, cooler stuff on there like more inspirational stuff we'll see nice i don't know i'm I'm full of ideas not as good with the follow-through sometimes but hopefully get hopefully get something going i'm sure it's just a matter of time just a matter of time yep. that's everything right that's right <laughs> <laughs> all right steve thanks for thanks for joining us on this episode of the opp man see ya sounds good take care Tom. <laughs>